from the city of brotherly love. This is Shark Bite Biz with David Strausser. Almost there. We're almost to the 200th episode, and this is Shark Bite Biz. I'm your rock star wannabe host, David Strausser, and this is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete global chaos as always a special shout out to today's sponsor our amazing sponsor and sap global platinum partner sador that's s-e-i-d-o-r if your business is ready to move off of quickbooks automate those business processes and just take the next step up it's time to reach out to sador because there's an sap platform out there for you now let's get back to today's episode personal branding Having a powerful personal brand online and offline, uh, especially now that we're in endemic mode, can bring you new opportunities, opportunities that you've only ever dreamt about. So who do we have today? None other than Chelly Phillips. Chelly Phillips is a sweet tea sipping, sassy southerner with a passion for helping dynamic, driven, career-minded professionals write their own stories. She's a coach, a corporate trainer, and motivational speaker, as well as the author of two, yes, I said two, award-winning books, When in Doubt, Delete It, and Get Noticed, Get Hired. Love those titles. So hey, without further delay, let's bring Chelly Right on in here. Business strategy. Kelly, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, my friend, you just became Shark Bait. Hey, I can't say I've ever had that on my resume before, but I am glad to add it. Uh, awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. So we have the tradition on the show since the very first episode, and it's pretty gnarly because we are approaching 200 episodes. So I'm pretty excited. Actually, this episode might be out right after the 200 mark, if I have my math right. Uh, so that is going to be pretty, pretty gnarly. Um, excited to hear that. But for 200 plus episodes, we've had this tradition where we ask every single guest, doesn't matter how famous or how small their business is or what they do. What's your background? What's your experience? What do you do for a living? How'd you get there? Basically, in a nutshell, tell us what makes Chelly Chelly. I knew at an early age I wanted to be a storyteller. I was I, I remember spending the night having spent the night company and we would create our own comic books and our own storybooks and that kind of thing. And so that led to a career in journalism, which turned into a career in corporate storytelling and PR and public relations. And then later in life now I've had a chance to help other people tell their stories. So be, being able to really embrace the fact that, hey, we're all unique. We all have something amazing to say, and it all makes that journey possible. So being able to take who we are and turn that story into some amazing things that make people want to work and play with us. No, oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And you did some journalism. I mean, what kind of journalism work did you do? So I started in radio at a top 40 radios um, station in Alabama, and I did news um, and learned really quickly that three 3.30 a.m. wake-up calls were not what I wanted in life and transferred into print journalism where I did some feature writing and was features editor for a while and then left there and went into the corporate side of things and corporate PR. Oh, that's great. I mean, that's a, a lot of good sound experience if you're going to go into the corporate world of, you know, press, PR, all that stuff, having both radio 
and having the print media experience because I mean, companies still do radio ads, you know, and knowing how those things work and how, you know, or just the, the ads or how to spin a story positively in that PR department, I would say is a positive attribute to have, you know, being somebody like you. Yeah. Well, you know, even like what we're doing today, podcasting and, and, and that kind of thing. I mean, that really is a spinoff of radio and like, how do you, how do you cut up interviews? How do you make them where they all make sense? And how do you put the package together? And so those skills that I learned early on have just, you know, just added exponentially on top of each other as we've gone along. So yeah, it's been a great ride. Well, that's why they say, you know, life's a journey, not a destination. Be because uh, I, I think I quoted that from an Aerosmith song, but still, uh, <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's our, our combined life experiences who make us who we are today. And I think that's very, very critical to know. And I think one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, the first thing that popped in my head uh, looking at all your info is you have something called Culture Secrets. Uh, secrets leaders can use to build value culture and value is an actual acronym. So why don't you explain us what value stands for? And let's maybe uh, briefly hit upon each one of those letters, because unfortunately, I think there's one, two, there, there's five letters in value. So we could be here for three hours talking about that, I assume. Yeah. So value culture is, is, you know, the way I look at the way the workplace should be structured. And I look at it as if we create human-centered workplaces, then both the employee and the company is going to thrive. And that's what we want. We want success for both parties involved, the company itself, because we want to be profitable. And then we want our employees to stay, be engaged, and be be very productive of what they're doing and enjoy while they're there. And so value is e vision accountability, leadership, the uniqueness of the employees, and then the engagement that's created. And so when you have all of those elements, you have a great culture in the workplace and it's set to succeed. Definitely. And that's one of the things that I found most attractive about the position that I'm at now that most of my listeners know that uh, starting with this season, uh, season six, I did change from my long-term previous position to a new one. And what I found most attractive about it was the fact that it's a clean slate, brand new sales team, brand new leadership. I'm part of the leadership team. I'm able to build that culture or that value, as you call it, the value culture from the ground up. And I think with what you're saying, how you just explained value is exactly what I'm trying to build here. And I, I'd like to say that, you know, it's only been a little bit over a quarter that I've been here. Um, you know, so three months since the beginning of the year. But in that short amount of time, I think we're off to a tremendous start. I mean, the energy is good. The morale of the team's high. We just revamped comp plans, all that stuff kind of modernized a lot of stuff that was lacking and not making the company as attractive for top tier talent before. And, you know, me just kind of taking it by the reins and driving it like that and having the culture really flow from the top down you know my energy my my persistence my values 
dripping down to the team, I think has made our team stronger. Yeah, it really is. You know, whoever is leading that team has such an impact on how the other people respond, how they feel that they're part of the organization. You know, I, I actually got really involved in this because I had been in an organization for over 20 years and then we had a management change and I felt like I lost my seat at the table. I felt like I lost the voice that I had. I felt like my skills weren't valued anymore. And it was amazing to me how one person coming in and having a seat of authority can really change the tone, the direction, the feel of an entire organization and how the employees relate and how they respond to what's going on. And so that's really what got me diving into this and really starting to look at what really makes these great cultures and what makes things successful. And that leadership position, when you have that vision and you're very clear about where you want people to go, the kind of values that you want instilled, the kind of behaviors and actions that you want to have them exhibit, and you're able to communicate that effectively, you know, it does so much to bring everybody together and make you work as a cohesive group. Oh, yeah, definitely. Working together as a cohesive group, especially when you're trying to rebuild something from scratch, is critical because... You know, you can't have egos, you can't have people just worried about themselves, but it's really got to be a team effort because, I mean, me as the VP BizDev, I really depend upon every single member of that team to execute fire on all cylinders for their specific role or else we're not going to find the success that we're trying to achieve as an organization this year. Yeah, you know, and and really it goes down to like what you said is, is they have to trust in you and your leadership and your vision that you're all going in the same direction, that you're all pointed towards a vision of success that's going to encompass everybody. And so, you know, like when you're building out your compensation plans, when you're building out recognition moments, when you're building out all of these kinds of things, you know, making sure, you know, it was funny. One of the things that turned up in the research is that not all engagement and not all satisfaction comes from pay, you know, and so, and it's not really as high percentage as you think it is, is that, you know, pay does matter. Don't get me wrong. Like we want to be paid well for what we do, but we also want to feel valued and we want to feel like our voice is heard and we all we want to feel like our processes our ideas our thoughts are respected and listened to and that kind of thing and a lot of that goes a long way when you might not be able to say you can't do a seven percent sell you know raise or whatever but you can do a four percent but you're doing all these other things it goes a long way to be able to retain the great talent that you have and be able to keep a great team in place oh yeah definitely definitely does so let's uh switch gears a little bit and let's talk about building a personal brand that's really designed for career success. What do you think? I think I've done a good job at that, but I don't know. Maybe it's just I'm just driven and I get it. Other people don't get it. But one thing, I can kind of explain it at a high level but I'm not really like, hey, these are some of the steps that I took. This is what I did. This is how I positioned myself. Doesn't always translate over to everybody. And that's where I thought that, uh, you know, asking you what your advice would be for people like that, like younger sales reps on my sales team that are just trying to establish themselves as subject matter experts and uh, a personal brand. 
what can they do to really boost that brand awareness? Yeah, your personal brand is, you know, I like to call it your differentiator. So you may all be selling the same things as someone else. You know, like there's another company that's probably offering the same product that you're offering. But what is it that's going to make you stand out? And, you know, your personal brand is what does that. A lot of people get hung up on the fact that their personal brand is their social media, but that's just a small piece of it. Your personal brand is all of your interactions that you have with your clients. It's email, it's text, it's the phone calls, it's the, it is your social media. It's how you follow up. It's, it's how you interact at trade shows. It's how you interact, you know, with referrals that they give you, how do they, how do you treat customers that they're referring to you? Are they getting positive feedback on all that kind of stuff? So your personal brand is really much more than just your social media. And what you're doing is, thank you. It is, you know, it's what makes someone want to choose you over your competitor. And you know, you actually control that. And that's the great thing. I tell young folks when they're starting out, when I, I coach some some young career professionals that, you know, people are only going to pay you, you know, no one's going to pay you what you think you're worth, only what they think about you. And you get to control what they think. That's the great thing about personal branding. And it's about being very intentional with that message. Are you showing up that you're a professional in what you do? Are you showing up that you're knowledgeable about the the product or the service that you're offering? Are you recognizing other members of your team for what they're doing to help build the organization? You know, and as leaders of a team, especially a sales team, one of the most impactful things that you can do on your personal brand is to recognize the role of that team because you build trust in them at that point in time in the fact that, hey, I'm a leader, but I also recognize the fact that you're doing the hard work, you're getting out there, you're making this effort. And I recognize that we couldn't be where we are without each step of the process happening. You know, I, I just want to interject there because I do have an important uh, point I'd like to make about my personal management style. And I do what I think there's a lot of toxic managers out there, especially sales managers. Uh, you know, they let their, a lot of times they were maybe sales reps and they carry that ego from being a sales rep that like they're driven to be the top sales rep, all that. They carry that when they're the sales manager and it's like, no, I close this deal. You didn't close this deal. I, I don't care about that. All I care about, if I have a sales rep and I've told my sales team this, it, like my job is to get you to the level to where that you can take a deal from step A, maybe not to Y, but if you get it to at least W, okay, and you carry it along. Now, in the background, you got to remember, okay, it's not like they're doing this all alone. Some can, some can't. And, you know, but even those that can, we're usually talking about it. And then their job is to execute the plan that we developed to move that along the pipeline. And then if I got to step in at the end and I got to do steps W, X, Y, and Z, or maybe it just steps Y and Z, maybe it's just Z. I just need to jump on a phone call with them, negotiate one legal term in our legal contracts, and bam, the deal is closed. Yeah, you, you, some people might say, yeah, I'm the one that got the deal over the finish line, but I don't look at it like that. I, I give full credit to my team. I you know, give them the shout outs. I don't take credit for it at all. I don't take their commission on, oh, you had me involved, you know, so I'm getting some of your, no, they get full, absolute 100% 
credit. Their job is to get me engaged and get me engaged without fear that it's going to diminish their personal brand, their their reputation within the organization, or their compensation. Yeah, you know, and for a salesperson, you know, we we learned way back in college and business school that you know sales are all about no like and trust. And how do you do that? Like you use your personal brand because people want to know who you are. They want to know what the person is that's sitting here making these phone calls to them, who's showing up at their office, who's doing that kind of thing. They want that personal connection. That way they feel like, oh, I know this person. Oh, I know, I know Dave's got, you know, a kid at home. I, I know that they go on vacation together. I know he's got good values. I know that I can put this out there and trust that they're going to give me the right information back. And you do all that through that baseline of creating that personal brand and then being very authentic and very consistent about it, making sure that you're posting about the same things, about showing the same, you know, attitudes, the same skills, the same values consistently over and over. And then it becomes what people expect of you, what they know of you. And then in turn, that helps you build you know, those relationships that are going to turn into repeat customers and referrals. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there is so many times during my career where it's like, yeah, David, you weren't the cheapest. You know, we were looking at other solutions, but I just kind of felt take care of me better. And, you know, I won those off of my personal brand you know, how I presented myself, how I differentiate, differentiated myself. Oftentimes, I'll say the joke that everybody's thinking in their mind, but no one dares to say, and it can be cringy, but everybody bursts out laughing like, oh my God, I can't believe you just said that. And I'll do that just because it breaks the ice and it differentiates me. And usually, I don't now because my psoriasis was acting up. So I've, I've even had to take uh, everything off, including my my um, uh, wedding ring. I had a strep throat twice this year and I've had to stop my psoriatic, psori uh, psoriatic psoriasis medicines and let my skin just kind of heal for the next couple weeks uh, and get rid of all these patches and stuff. But usually, you know, like I'll have 10 bracelets on each arm, but I'll still be wearing a suit when I'm on site. And they remember that and people usually a lot like it's something that differentiates me because they you know that guy with the bracelets he was he was pretty good you know and it's one of those things that i do to make sure i distinguish myself from other people you know i try to stand out you know when i'm on my virtual calls most people have a background on like you for example you don't have a background but you have beautiful book you have all the trophies awards that you want um that shows your experience me i go down a different path because again i'm on the sales side of things where i'm trying to build the personal relationships i got my awesome microphone i've got my marshall stack amp behind me i got one of my i don't know probably 11 12 guitars sitting behind me usually and basically through all that you know most of the phone calls that we jump on even if they're virtual people are like Oh, wow, nice amp, you know, like nice guitar. What kind of guitar is that? Can I see it, you know? And it's the icebreaker right out of the gate. And uh, people love that. I mean, it, it's one of those differentiator type things to where 
kind of lets them know they're not talking to their average Joe or their average Jane. Yeah, I mean, it totally helps you attract clients instead of having to chase them. You know, we all have shorter attention spans now. So if you can do anything. Very short attention spans. Yeah. You know, the first thing I noticed was the diagram on the back of the wall when we got on our call. Um, You know, I'm a piano player, you're a guitar player. And I'm like, oh, music, we got this in common kind of thing. And so it automatically created that okay, that sense of commonality that we have. And so, you know, that makes you memorable. And then it also helps you attract the right customer and the right employee to you because, you know, they get a sense of who you are and your personality and that kind of thing. So it kind of serves as a a tiny filter before you dive too deep into the process as well. And you mentioned something else earlier that I, I, I wanted to hit back on. You're talking about someone might choose you even though you weren't the least expensive. You know, the thing about a great personal brand is that it can allow you to charge more too. And, you know, I think about, you know, there's there's the 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 whole issue between Timex and Rolex. They're both watches. They both get you to where you're going on time, but there's definitely a different perception about what is a Rolex. It's you know, it's luxury. It is top of the line. Timex is Kmart and anybody can get it. And it's, you know, 12 bucks and it might or might not last more than, you know, whatever. And so, but they both do the same function. And so it's all about branding and it's all how you set yourself up. And so, you know, when you can create that atmosphere and that expectation from someone that this is the quality of service that you're going to receive, or this is, you know, the the excellent caliber of customer service or the product that you're going to get because of that personal brand that you've laid all the groundwork for, then, you know, it helps you, you know, ace those contracts and get them on over the fence like you were talking about earlier. And it just everybody knows I'm using myself as an example because it's easiest just to talk about me because then, you know, my stuff's pretty open and people can see what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. And I think that gives you all an illustrated example when we're talking about this stuff for something to reflect upon very easily. Plus, I think many of the people that watch and listen to this show religiously, I mean, they kind of get an idea of how I am, who I am by now. And they're starting to kind of see that differentiator, which is one of the reasons why I think this show is rated on Listen Notes as one of the top 10% of business podcasts. So I guess the next topic I just kind of wanted to jump into is while we're talking about the personal branding and how important that is, okay? What about URLs? What are And we've talked about this on the show many, many times, okay? But it probably has been about I don't know, six, nine months, maybe, maybe up to a year since we've last talked about it. Lots changed since then. Technology has changed. We didn't have chat GPT last time we talked about it. But what's your opinion on every person, whether you work for a company, whether you own your own business, whether you're a solopreneur, should you own your own name should you own your own url like davidstrausser.com uh, you know i well if if you look at me i'm chellyphillips.com so i am a believer in the fact that yes you need to own your brand and especially 
you know, especially if you're going to do anything that puts you public facing. And that's, I mean, and I don't mean necessarily that you're an entrepreneur, that you're going to be selling your own products or anything. But even if you're in sales, you know, if, if you're, you know, like if you're a creative, if you are, you know, if you if you have a group of people that you lead in any kind of way, say it's even, you know, like a church ministry or something like that, I think you need your own your own brand. You need to be able to control that and make sure because the one thing we can't get back is our reputation. And if anybody has it or anybody takes it and, you know, this this day and age, let's just face it, there's some really bad people out there and and you never know. And if you start getting exactly Oh my God, Twitter's the worst. Um, you know, like if you ever get into a situation where you're making traction and someone doesn't agree with you, you want to make sure that you actually have the ability to control how they are, you know, how they are accessing your people and your content and that kind of thing. But I totally think it's a great idea for you to have your own website. And especially today, because we don't ever know what's going to happen with the social media platforms. You know, I mean, like we don't control the algorithms. We don't control, you know, I've been in Facebook jail before over something that I don't think should be. <laughs> understood. understand. And that's the thing. I think uh, most people on this call have probably been in Facebook jail some point or another for something that they should not have been in jail for. And, you know, oftentimes it's because now remember, I lived in Mexico for 15 years. My wife's a Peruvian. We speak Spanish all day in the house. And I'm a big believer um, that there's a huge difference in speaking a language um, and knowing the words and actually comprehending a language. And a lot of the companies, Meta, for example, they use third parties maybe in countries like in Asia or places like that uh, or Eastern Europe or people that are not native American English speakers. So they don't get the innuendo. They don't get the nuance. They don't get how we're saying the phrase. And therefore they take the phrase, you know, word for word, what we're saying. And therefore, bam, you're in, you're, you're in Facebook jail, even though, what you're saying is not bad, but it was interpreted by bad because they took it verbatim word for word. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and yeah, I think one of the best things that you can do when you have your own website is that it allows you to become, you know, that thought leader that we all talk about. And it allows you to get that visibility because you have the place that you control the message and the narrative and who sees it and who puts it out there. And, you know, it really sets you up as an authority in your field, you know, because you can choose to share whatever you want to at that point in time on your own pages. You can share them out however you want to. You can invite people into it. And you actually control that at that point in time. You don't have to worry about someone else limiting your access to your tribe of people and the people that you want to speak with. No, that's totally, totally true. And, you know, just circling back on the algorithms that you had mentioned, like Facebook, for example, um, Elon, love him or hate him. Uh, definitely a unique character. I, I think it's funny how... Um, you know, this is not a political show, so we don't talk politics, but one side of the political spectrum praised them and now they totally hate him. It's so funny how things uh, reverse so quickly in this day and age. Uh, but he did follow through with one of his key promises of buying Twitter. And as of uh, 
this week, like the last few days, I mean, everybody here knows we usually record episodes about a month earlier. So, you know, this would be old news by then. But, you know, not many media outlets are actually reporting on this, uh, you know, just because it's a good thing. He actually published the full Twitter algorithm on GitHub right now. And I don't know, I have not studied it exactly, but I'm not sure if it's open sourced now for the algorithm, but the algorithm is out there for anybody to see, anybody to tweak, edit, use, I guess, on their own, but it is fully out there. And uh, we've had other guests on our show that has said that Elon himself actually doesn't believe in patents and stuff like that. A lot of his Tesla stuff doesn't have patents, SpaceX, stuff like that. So him making that open source, I think kind of falls into that trend. Um, again, you can fact check me whether or not he does or doesn't do the patents. Maybe he does in certain things, but not in others. But um, that's just what guests have claimed on the show in the past. So I think that's pretty cool. I think it's a, a definitely a step in the right direction. And then the only other one thing I wanted to mention was um, URLs. I am a, I, I guess you can say digital stalker. I own every variation of my name uh, that you can think of. Dave Strasser. David Strasser, David William Strasser, David W. Strasser, Davy Strasser, uh, spelled both ways, both uh, D A V E Y and D A V I E. Um, Doctor David Strasser, David Strasser MD dot com. Doctor David Strasser MD. In case I ever do become a doctor, um, yeah, I own every single variation, and I did that because. Um, started noticing that um, David Strausser, while it's not a common name, there probably are 20 to 30 different David Strausers out there around the same age right now. And they are certain to get some, uh, some prominence in, you know, Google places like that. And I'm like, well, they don't own those sites, so I am buying those sites. And I, I uh, embarrassingly probably spend about $300 a year just on my own name URL destinations to protect my brand, my personal brand identity. Um, but none of them are doing things like I'm doing, I believe, anyway. So it's all good. Yeah, I mean, you know, you think about it. Is that crazy? Or is that is that good? No, I love it. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I kind of, I, I feel you, you know, like I, I own several versions of mine. My, I have an unusual name, Chelly. You don't see it very often, but there is, there's more of them out there than you, you think there is. And when you really start putting your information out there and you start building a following and you start sharing information, you just can't be too careful about who who is going to be able to latch on to the coattails. And you want to be able to make sure that if they are using your name or if somebody is showing up as saying that it's you, that it really is you. And that the people who are looking towards you for that information, that advice, or even just, you know, the entertainment value of what you provide, that they're getting the real you. And so, you know, I think that's a service that that we do as as someone who has decided, okay, I'm going to I am going to be visible. I am going to share what I know. I'm going to, you know, put out there so that people can glean from what I've gathered so that they can take it and do 12 times things more than I'm ever going to do with it that, you know, that we control 
that we're actually putting, you know, that we control how they access that and that they're getting what they think they're getting and not some other version or some infected piece of software or something like that down the road. Also, um, there are names for each of my kids. I mean, not all variations, only one each to keep the cost down, but uh, I bought those as well, too. I mean, got there I mean, when they were probably like two or three each, you know, it was like, okay, well, you're getting your, your Gmail address with your name. And, uh, that way, like, yeah, you can have your, your personal one, but when you get older, you know, like I had to explain to my son, who's the producer for many years, he was using, um, a gamer type, uh, uh, email address and he'd apply for jobs and i'm like yeah but when they look at that when you get older that's not going to be as professional so i created him we needed it for xbox at the time anyways he needed a microsoft uh email address because i don't believe at that time you could sign up for microsoft services using a non-microsoft email address now you can so we created a more professional um microsoft email address for him that was first name last name and uh kept it simple and now when he applies for jobs or does you know formal job type applications because he's about to turn 20 on april 23rd so happy early birthday for him uh he's been doing the show since he's 17 and you know so pretty crazy he's got a lot of experience under his belt but um now having that professional email to do for job applications so like now he understands the value even though he didn't understand it when he was 13 and I was trying to explain it to him. So, yeah, that's how kids are, though. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I ran into the same thing. I, I worked with college women for a long time. It's kind of how I got my start in, in the personal coaching side of things was helping them secure their first professional role after after getting their degrees and that kind of thing. And, you know, we had the long conversation about email addresses and, and stuff too. And, you know, it was, it's really funny is that now that through the corporate side of things where I've done hiring and it really is interesting, you know, like first thing I do when I get an application in now is I Google them and see what comes up, you know? So, I mean, even as, even as something as simple as getting that first job is that you want to control what people see. And so going back to that whole discussion about how important is that URL, you know, if you have your URL, then that's the first thing that's going to come up on Google about you. Unless you're in my situation, because one of the David Strausers is a doctor. So sometimes he will take that info pain away from me. But uh, even when I search locally, luckily, though, he's located in the Woodlands, Texas, and my corporate headquarters is in the Woodlands, Texas. So now I got the, my Google business address verified in the Woodlands, Texas. So it's all work. It's working out. It's uh, working its way out. And I am slowly winning it back over. It's been an up and down struggle. It seems like we've got a, uh, a competition going on. So, you know, some days you look, he's winning. Some days you look, I'm winning. But it's something that uh, I believe we're both actively chasing against each other. But because he's a medical doctor and going back to the algorithm discussion, Google weights that a little bit heavily, but I also have got a top podcast and I write on Forbes. So that also gives me a little bit of weight. I'm sure Google's like, 
what the like are these the same people are these different people um I, I i wonder how they've had that separated so um well i guess they could tell because the google my business listing would be underneath totally different google profiles in which i know your your browsing data your locations all the intel they're gathering on you so they could they probably know they're separate people but it probably does give the algorithm a little bit of a like oh my god what do we do now right 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 because you have two competing for the same space for the same name and ironically we're both david w strausser same middle initial too no idea if we have the same middle name okay but we are both david w strausser you need to like meet up and then like have like some group post and be like okay now what are you going to do google how are you going to how are you going to separate this yeah 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 Yep, yep. I I just gotta start identifying myself as a doctor. Be like, yeah, I'm I'm Doctor Strasser. Uh, there you go. I mean, like, surely you can find you can, you can get one of those online. I'm sure. Like 30, 40 bucks, right? There you go. There you go. That's how you fix it. So I got two important topics that I really want to talk to you about. Uh, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but let's go a little bit into detail. So. Not to brag about another guest on your show, but I want to set the table so that you know who you're following, so that way you can give a different direction. But we did, and I don't know if this is one of the episodes you had watched or not, but we did just have Donna Serdula on the show, who was the author of LinkedIn uh, Profile Optimization, uh, the official Four Dummies books. Um, and thank you again, Donna, for sending me this book. Um, so she gave us some great tips, but I wanted to see if you had any, I mean, her stuff, I, I would say is pretty standard. I think most business professionals kind of know that to a degree. Younger ones don't, experienced ones do. And that's where I'm able to kind of teach my guys everything. Plus, I listen to the episode. Do you have any out-of-the-box type of suggestions as far as, you know, the LinkedIn profile, how to differentiate yourself, and not that same typical knowledge that most people typically end up giving? So my one thing is, like, don't be afraid to let your personality shine. You know, we think LinkedIn is business, 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 and we have to be so buttoned up and we have to be so corporate. And, and you know, I think that's a mistake. I, when I work with clients, one of the things that I really tell them is to focus on that summary area and use it to really allow your personality to shine through. You know, maybe it comes from my background as a journalist or whatever, but the story is what matters to me. And that's what connects us. And that's the, yeah, that's the perfect place to tell your story. I'll give you a perfect example. I was working with a client who was making a career shift and they were going from banking and and they wanted to move into real estate, which is similar, but not not exact. And the, but they were particularly wanted to work with people who were looking for second income properties, not like first homes or anything like that. But they wanted rental income properties or, um, you know, people that were looking for for investment opportunities with real estate and we got to talking and they were telling the story that that they've been interested in this since they were a kid because their dad had a rental house and he used to go and he would help him, you know, make all the little repairs around the place or whatever. But the real reason he got interested in it was that vacation that they took to Disney World. 
came because of that rental property income. So every year their vacation was tied around to, is this property rented and what's going on with it? And so it became that that whole source of great family, you know, memories. And of course, the time he spent with his dad going to do that. And so we really worked that into his summary on his page about how, you know, this isn't something new to me. I've been in, I've been interested in this all my life. And he's literally followed, you know, throughout his career, even though he's been in banking, you know, like what's hot in property markets, you know, like he's a huge flipper, you know, flipper kind of guy, like what, what makes a good flip and, you know, how do I turn this into an investment and, you know, what are the hot areas and how can we do this and how do I manage, you know, with him being in banking, he's got the good background on how do I finance this and make it work with my budget and all this other kind of stuff as well. And so we were really able to craft that into his summary statement, which if you read it, I think really connects you as a person to him. You get the excitement. You understand that this is something that he's been diving into since he was a little kid and didn't even know why at that point in time, other than it was a vacation, you know, it was a vacation fund for the family. And, you know, I think that's the thing that we need to do with our profiles is not to be afraid to let that personality shine through. And then the other awkward piece about that summary is that it's generally a first person. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm from the South and, you know, my mom always raised me, don't talk about yourself. That's rude. That's not nice, whatever. And, you know, and so it's awkward the first couple of times that you start writing these profiles, I did so-and-so or I'm so-and-so and, you know, like, oh, I shouldn't talk about the fact that I've done these things in my career because it's wrong to brag. Well, you can do it in a way that's not boastful and you can still share your skills and your talents in a way that really sets you apart from other people. And you can do it in a way that shows your personality so they get a sense of who you are and why they want to work with you. Okay. So that being said, I'm just pulling mine up to check. And I do have everything you said except for one thing. And that's what I want to uh, just click on and double check. So mine, because I have my, I, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm a little bit different, but I have mine a little bit different just because of the fact that I do a lot and I have it on creator mode uh, because I am a creator. I host a podcast. I read a forum, stuff like that. So I, I actually have it in third person. So that way it's more of a bio like, hey, who is David Strasser? And but it's got some of those, um, you know, it's got some of the personality and stuff like that in there. Is that necessarily wrong? Is it right? Should it be in first person for somebody like me? Should it be in third person? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, third, you know, third person would be my second choice. I mean, like it's an it's an okay choice. I mean, like it's not gonna it's not gonna get you like knocked down, you know, like the rankings or anything like that. Um, a, a lot of people, you know, like going from from first person, second person, third person, it, they the thing is to be consistent with that person is like, don't flip back and forth between first and third. Um, and so that's where, you know, that's where I'd have to be like, Oh no, we're going to have to fix this. But if it's consistently third person and it's working for you, then, then you're good. Um, and, and you probably use it. People probably look at yours more as a bio, um, for, you know, like who is this guy and, and, and what's going on kind of thing versus I'm trying to land a job or I'm trying to sell myself as 
this certain personality that I would be a great addition to your team. And well, no, some people do reach out for the job. Some people do reach out for different things. And, uh, you know, even reading it as a bio, I mean, when they see that they, they get like, excited it's kind of like wow i want to work with this dude this dude's amazing so you're clearly putting enough of your personality in it even though it's third person that they get a good feel of who you are yeah i mean even the show i mean you listen to our intro outro yeah i get some complaints every now and then from cranky people saying that it's oh that's too loud that's too energetic uh for a podcast and it's like no i don't like it you don't have to listen um i'm energetic and i try to do things differently there's a billion different podcasts out there and i put a lot of hard work and energy and that's my differentiator uh, to make sure that we differentiate. In fact, we're having trouble right now because we just changed it. But when we first kicked it off, I had brand recognition, but not as strong as I do in 2023. So in 2020, it was more just Shark Bite Biz, you know, growing a business in the roaring 20s. Um, but now we're updating that default image to where it's Shark Bite Biz, small business or business growth podcast. Uh, with David Strausser, and it's got my headshot in it now because the personal brand, the brand of the show is strong enough to where now I can throw my personal brand in it. And that's kind of in some areas that the brand has grown, you know, to where I'm able to do, do that where it wasn't able to do that before. And that's a great point. You know, my brand isn't what it was when I was 22. Now that I'm, well, we won't say how old I am, but anyway. Well, you don't look a day over 25. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, and so that's the thing. Our brand will evolve as we grow and as we change and as we add, add new skills to our repertoire and we try new things and we have new experiences. And, you know, that's the thing is like, you know, keep your brand current with who you are. Make sure that you're going out there and updating it. Make sure it's a reflection of who you are at this time in your life. It's still going to be consistent because your core as a person is not going to change. Your values are going to be what they are and, and they're instilled in you. But you can update it with some fun things that are happening, some new things that you're learning. You know, and that really is what keeps people coming back to you is because, you know, we we all, you know, I think we all love perpetual learners, you know, like what, you know, what's happening, what are you learning, share with me what's going on and that kind of thing. And, you know, when, when we're out there and we're, and we're willing to, Hey, I tried this, this is what happened. It might've sucked or it might not have, you know, but I'm, I'm willing to tell you, here's the whole experience. Now you can try it for yourself. So. Last topic. And we got to go through this uh, very quickly, if you could please is turning employees into brand advocates. A lot of companies are afraid of doing that because they're like, Oh, the competition's going to poach our employees. My take on that is, is that if you have a strong culture cop, you know, they're, they're, you know, the employees feel like they're being paid well or decently well, because as you said, there's always going to be some sort of disconnect. You can't make everybody happy. But if you have a good company culture, um, you treat people right, you try to do the right things when there are conflict, uh, you know, the risk of having, you know, competition poach your employees is, you know, it's going to be low, I feel. Uh, what do you feel about having, you know, your employees being brand advocates? And is that a risk 
to the business because they could be poached. When, when I do corporate training, it's one question I get asked a lot as I'm making the pitch to come into an organization to work with their employees on that. And, you know, the thing I tell people is, is that it, the exact opposite is true. It's empowering them, right? It is very much empowering them. And what it does is it allows them to see themselves as a vital part of that organization. And when you feel invested in something, and when you feel like you're a valued part of what's happening there, it takes more than a couple dollars an hour to get you to switch and walk away from it. So when you can turn your employees into brand advocates, you know, I mean, really and truly, who are the people that actually have the most contact with your clients and customers anyway? It's going to be your employees. It's going to be your front end people that are answering the phone calls. It's going to be your sales crews that are out there. Subject matter experts can be as well, too, because they can talk in detail uh, on niche podcast or interviews or whatever about tech or about something very, very, very industry specific that even a sales rep might not be able to do. Yeah. And so, you know, everybody has their role. And when you can embrace that fact and you can let them shine in that role and that they know that you're going to encourage them and that you're going to be the one that's championing them along the way. Hey, let me put this person out front because they're doing an excellent job and they can tell you more about the day to day process because, hey, they're on the line or they're taking the calls or they're dealing with the customers and you let them become the face of that organization in a way that makes them feel like they actually have some buy-in to how it's going to turn out, then, you know, you're solidifying the fact that you're going to have strong employee engagement. You're going to have great retention. You're going to have people that want to stay there. And then the plus side is, you know, when it comes to recruiting new employees, who do we listen to? We listen to our friends and family. And if my friends are posting about, hey, you wouldn't believe this great opportunity work gave me, or, hey, look at this team that I have here, or, then that's where I'm going to want to come work because I'm going to see all these great things that are happening and how well, you know, the friends and family that I have feel like they're treated there. And so it becomes a very full circle thing is that you keep the people that you have and you attract great clients too. Hey, Chelly, this has been an amazing discussion. So I've got to ask you, where can people, well, you've already told us, but tell us again, where can people find you online? Where can they reach out, get more information from you? Please share all your details. Tell us about your book, everything you're doing. Yeah. So new book is, is hitting at the end of April and, you know, I'm excited about it. It'll be my third one. Uh, it's all of, it's all for the, for the business leader, being able to develop that strong culture and chellyphillips.com is the easiest place to find me and everything. Of course, I'm on the social platforms. LinkedIn, of course, is one of my favorite and I post there regularly. And, you know, I, I would welcome anybody to, to hit me up. I love to have a great conversation and, and I tend to be very engaged and active. So yeah, definitely not shy, but, uh, <laughs> so please, uh, everybody knows this already, but we will have the link down below in the description right after the episode kind of, uh, you know, a little blurb about what the episode's about. There's always a link to the guest. Please check out Chelly Phillips. Chelly, thank you so much for coming on. So very grateful for your time today. Thanks so much. It's been a blast. Yeah. Thanks. Cheers. Wow. Such a great chat with Chelly, right? 
First, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked some warm and fuzzies, do me a favor, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button. But if you really want to help us out, because you know Shark Bite Biz is the greatest kept secret in the world of small business. In fact, on Listen Notes, we're rated as a top 10% global podcast. If you look, uh, the expert bookers put us as a top 12 business podcast that you have to tune into now. Please. Do me a favor, share us out to your friends, your family, your colleagues, wherever you dwell on the interwebs, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Minds, Rumble, Odyssey, Mastodon. I don't care. I just share us out. I would love nothing more to see Chelly Phillips and Sharkbite Biz out there trending because we bring you experts each and every Monday just like we did today. And we're getting pretty close to that 200th episode as well, too. So you got to keep that in mind. Anyways, let's get back to the real rock star of this show, Miss Chelly Phillips. This was such a great interview. Personal branding. People were wondering, you know, is that something that's going to stick around? Is it just a fad? Is it, you know, just something some people were doing with big egos or stuff like that? And truth is, you know, personal branding, it is not a fad. It is not going away. And no, I'm not really talking like the social media influencer or things like that. I mean, we're talking about your own personal and professional brand. Who are you as an employee? Who are you as a business owner? Who are you as an expert, as a leader in your field, as a thought leader, as a person? Okay, who are you? And that really makes up the foundation of what your personal brand is and what people think about you. That really makes you the rock star, an expert in your own specific field. That is so critical these days. When you speak, you want people to know that you're speaking from a position of authority because you are an expert in what you do. And it's so easy to hide it just by not framing yourself or positioning yourself in the right way. It works for your company too, whether you're the owner or whether you're an employee, a manager, director, a young executive, ex- full-blown executive, whatever you are, because then it reflects positively upon them because it shows them as hiring top-notch talent and having experts, true experts, working on their team. So it's a win-win for both people. You build up your, your image, they're building up their image, and you both kind of get the benefits of writing each other's tails coats. That's how I view it. So awesome stuff, Jelly. Thank you so much for coming on. And I'm very grateful for what you're doing and explaining on how you are helping people better position themselves in this hyper competitive global landscape. Question of the day. What does your personal brand look like? Leave a comment down below. I would definitely love to hear from you. Uh, Remember, you can watch this show now. We're Rumble. I believe we're on Odyssey. We're on YouTube, obviously, where most people are watching this. But you can watch us on Spotify. But if you just want the the audio version of the show, remember, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Deezer, all those iTunes, all those apps, you can still listen to the show as well, too, if you prefer the audio version only. Personally, 
I'm a speed watcher, speed listener, so I have everything 200% when I watch and bang through all the podcasts I listen to. Uh, do you want to be on the show? If so, interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. We are going to start booking guests for season seven soon. If you're watching on YouTube or you're on our Spotify page, you can join the channel $3 a month. You can become a baby shark. Help us spread the word out. Every dollar you give us does not go in my pocket. I give you that guarantee. It goes right back into the show, into ads, basically, uh, and equipment and production gear and stuff like that to help make the show bigger, better, better audience. And hopefully we'll get more engagements coming soon. So anyways, one last final shout out to our sponsor, SAP Global Platinum Partner, Sador. Please, if you're on QuickBooks, if you're on an old aging system, if you're using Excel sheets and filling things in manually daily, stop with the nonsense. Reach out to me, reach out to Sador, and let's get you on one of the SAP platforms. I'm telling you, whether you're one or two person business or you're thousands of employees, there is some SAP solution out there for you. So you all know this by now, but I'll say it once again. I'm David Strausser. This is Shark Bite Biz. We'll see you all next episode. Ciao. You just experienced Shark Bite Biz with David Strausser. Please like, comment, and subscribe to the show to help us spread the word about personal, professional, and business growth. Want to be on the show? Send an email to interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. A special shout out to our sponsor, SAP Platinum Partner, Sador. Get off QuickBooks and move your business to the next level. Reach out for more info. Thanks for listening and see you next time.